Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From the people who bring you the quickie, your daily news update every day, you are listening to the original Mamma Mia podcast, Mamma Mia Out Loud. It's our show about what women are talking about this week every week. I'm Holly Wainwright. I'm Mia Friedman. And I'm Jessie Stevens. We're going to be talking about whether the millennial sex recession is actually real and if social media has made all social occasions far more awkward. But first... Rihanna made headlines this month when she came out as a hashtag shy girl. In an interview with Interview Magazine, which isn't at all a particularly creative title, but uh, Rihanna said, I'm so shy, I don't even want you to know that I'm shy. Now, Rihanna is, of course, one of the most famous women on the planet. She's got about 72 million followers on Instagram. She performs in front of hundreds of thousands of people and she's on the covers of all the magazines. And so it makes you wonder if this really is shyness. But the discussion also made me think about if introversion and shyness have become a bit cool, like a marker of status, and whether they might actually just be a euphemism for laziness. So do you guys think that it's just a little bit lazy to tell everyone that you're shy because it means you don't have to be nice to them? (laughs) Well, looking at the numbers that you just said about all the followers she's got and how she performs and she's on the covers, except for the performances, a lot of what she does can be done on your own. Like if you're a singer, you record an album in a studio, you can have a lot of followers without leaving your house too much. I guess the performance side is, is different, but I feel like this idea of being shy has become almost a bit of a badge that people are using. Like I know that if you talk to teenage girls, they're very keen to describe themselves as introverts, which is so interesting to me. Introverts are very cool. Very cool. I don't know anybody at the moment who's going around shouting about being an extrovert because extroverts are very uncool. Right Why now. do you think that is? What do you think it means think to say you're an extrovert versus I, an introvert? I think that what we've done is we've taken those words and we've put, sort of attached new meaning to them. So now extrovert basically means, oh my God, you're a bit of a pain. You're always up in my face. You're always shouting at me. You're always wanting stuff from me. You're show off. I'm an introvert. That means just leave me alone. It also means that you have some depth. So we've fetishized yeah. introversion because it means, guys, like I have such a rich inner world that I can sit with myself and my thoughts because I'm so yeah. interesting on my own. Whereas if you're an extrovert, it suggests you need everyone else's energy all the time. I reckon that's part of it. But I was really interested to know what the difference is between being an introvert and being shy because I don't really know what shy means in an adult sense. Like when I think of shy, I think of a little kid going, I'm shy, mum, like hiding behind your legs you know, at a a social occasion. And apparently it's the permanence of it. So um, you can't turn off being shy, but most introverts have to sometimes be extroverts out in the world. You know, it's very unusual and unlikely that somebody can really live their entire life as an introvert in a healthy Uh, way. So being an introvert means that you can do it, but it drains you, but you can do Mm. it. Whereas a shy person, there's more 
fear around it. I think it's shyness too is about your the behavior that you exhibit. So, for example, I had this experience um, when I was in the Maldives on a holiday and I was watching a woman who didn't know how to snorkel and she seemed to have a real fear of the water and she sort of had her toes in the water and she kept, you know, when you keep going to dive and then you psych yourself out and she just couldn't get in there and she had, she'd hired someone to come and help her snorkel because it was clearly a fear of hers. She was going, I want to dive, I want to dive. And I thought, holy shit, that's how I feel about socialising sometimes. So later in the day... We went to get lunch and there was this British couple that I couldn't stop watching because they made friends so easily. And they were sitting at a table with like 10 people they just met and they were drinking and having fun. And I thought, I would love to be the type of person that went, hello, my name's Desi. But I don't, (laughs) I'm terrified of doing that because it is a fear. So it's like I'm trapped and I go, I want to be this type of person and I simply can't be. And I'm almost like physically held back by having the social relationships I wish I could have. Does that make sense? So that's shyness. That's shyness, I think. I've been shy since I was, uh, as long as I can remember, since I was a kid. And I remember my nan said to me on the first day of school, you don't have to be sort of, you don't have to be someone you're not. People will come to you. And she always said that because she knew that I was terrified and that I would get overwhelmed because everyone made friends really quickly and that some people just need to sit back and watch and kind of be a little bit reserved and cautious, which I am, and then things will sort themselves out. But I'm always going to be longer to warm up and it can come across as rudeness because it can look cold or like you're not interested in getting to know someone. But often I hear a conversation or I watch someone so easily make friends and I just think, oh, I wish I could do that, but it's not a skill set I have. I wonder if I might just be getting lazy as I get older because, for example, this evening after work, we're going to have drinks. We've had a great week here at Mamma Mia. Your podcast, Jesse, True Crime Conversations has gone to number one. We've had um, some wins in the commercial team. So the whole company is going out for drinks after work. We're leaving early and that fills me with dread. And I think probably most people would go, yay, that's really fun. For me, I'll enjoy it when I'm there, but, and I'm not scared of it. I just feel tired. Yes, I feel tired. I think you're an introvert who isn't shy. I don't think you're shy <sighs> because you love to dance and sing. And yeah. I feel. So does Rihanna. That's <laughs> so why does Rihanna. I. <laughs> I think Mia likes to dance and sing more than Rihanna. So I think that there's, I don't think you're a shy person, but I can see the introversion in that you become drained. Yeah. And Holly is neither shy nor introverted. That's so not true. It is true. It's, it's really not true. Like, honestly, this is what I mean about this badge now of coolness. Is like, I really like, I am not an extrovert. Extroverts are people who get their energy from other people. I know some, I live with one. He comes from an entire family of them. The running joke in Brent's family is that he would just walk up to someone and say, hi, I'm Brent. You don't know me, but you will in a minute because he is that person. (laughs) And so is his brother, Sean. And so is his brother, Graham. They are that woman that you saw at the holiday, right? Who they'll introduce themselves to anyone. They'll talk to anyone about anything. They'll talk about themselves very easily. They like, they have to have that. You know, you can't walk down the street in my suburb with Brent. He knows 
everybody, right? I wish I, I was like that. But why do you, I don't think you do really. <laughs> I am not like that at all. Not at all. Like I do not want to make small talk with people I don't know and all of those things. But the thing is, is you have to make yourself do that because there's this thing called manners, right? Oh, no. And it's like I think that our obsession with introversion, people are using it as an excuse to just avoid situations that, that, that make them uncomfortable. Now, we all sometimes have to be in situations that make you uncomfortable. So it's like we were talking this week about the new button on Uber that means you can apparently, I don't know if you can do it in Australia or if it's coming or whatever, but in America, that you can select don't talk to me. Basically, you can select hand in face, don't talk to me. Now, I don't like talking to people in Ubers. Nobody does, really. But when you think about that, it is so abjectly rude to say to somebody who is performing a service for you and spends their whole freaking day driving people around, don't talk to me, don't look at me, don't, do you think I'm interested in your life? Like, there's a certain level of small talk that is about politeness and showing somebody the respect of, I want to know your name, your story, who you are. I don't want to talk to you for 20 minutes because I've got work to do, I want to listen to podcasts or whatever, but... There's a line here somewhere that we're all trampling over because we're so in our own world because we'd rather be looking at our phone than anything else that we're saying, I don't want to talk to you. I don't know. I think it's and more I think difficult. It's a, an excuse. I think it's more difficult for some people than others and I'm really hesitant to pathologise it because we talk a lot about things like social anxiety. I don't think I have social anxiety. I don't think that's what it is. I think I am shy and I think actually that shyness is incompatible with the modern world in a way it wasn't 100 years no, ago. No, because now you've got your phone. You no, don't have to ever I talk to anyone. I disagree. I think in a world of networking and personal brand and all that kind of stuff and open plan offices, all that, I think that you have to... That, that shyness doesn't work in that context. And I think oh, you've got to... I disagree. Gotta, I agree with you, Hole, because I think that so many... Um, modern phenomena come down to our phones, as you say, Holly, and our inability to sit with any level of discomfort. Mm. Now, human interactions, going to drinks with people, it's very messy. It's very... You never know what they're going to say. You never know what they're going (laughs) to say. Sometimes you might get stuck talking to someone boring. Sometimes you might say something stupid. It, It just might be uncomfortable. And that is a part of life. Navigating that is a part of life. But we have become so... Um, stubborn and so resistant to feeling any form of discomfort because we can live in this controlled way behind our phones. We don't even have to have the discomfort of answering the phone and not knowing who might be on the other end. No. We're told when our phone rings and if it says, you know, no caller ID, you don't answer, you don't have to. So that idea of the messiness of human interaction, that's what socialising is. And I think that I know for me, I used to be much better at it and I think it's a muscle Mm. like anything else. It is a muscle but I also think that you walk into a kindergarten class and you go, oh, that kid's shy, that kid's not, right? And I was, it was perfectly acceptable for me to be shy at five. It was a little bit cute. 28, not cute, not acceptable. It becomes interpreted as rude, which is really, really hard. And I've spoken about it on the podcast before where people come in and maybe I don't say hi and maybe I don't ask the right question and maybe I'm, I struggle with eye contact or whatever and they think I'm being standoffish or cold when it's actually a personality trait that I don't think is particularly well understood, which is shyness. And I wish we talked about it more and the fact that people who are shy often really don't want to be shy. They just don't know what to do. I, I entirely 
I love that point. I love it because it's so true. And as I've got to know you and I and, and other people who, are, but I don't think that's true for everybody. I don't think all yeah. the people who are going around saying, I'm an, an introvert, introvert, so yeah. I don't want to come to your party. I'm an introvert, so I don't want to have to say hello to the bus driver. I'm an introvert. So I don't think that that's true for everybody. I think maybe we're taking something that, as you say, is a really legitimate, unturnoffable personality trait and like extrapolating it into just an excuse to get out of doing anything that might leave you stuck having a conversation with someone you didn't want to talk to. Completely agree. Mama Mia out loud. Jesse, apparently you're not having very much sex. <laughs> oh, goodness. Who told you that? It's well, Friday. We have to go there. <laughs> I have, I have a contact on the inside. Oh, no. No Can pun intended. Now? Can I leave now? Uh, it's not just you, though. It was all over the news last year. Millennials are having less sex than any other generation before you. Apparently, it's Netflix's fault. And there are other things also being blamed, including living at home with their parents. Uh, but is this all just bad data? Is the young people's sex recession real? I'm going to give you some of the evidence, okay, rather than just using your anecdotal sex life, which I, <laughs> to be honest, don't actually know anything about. Um, okay, so in the space of a generation, sex has gone from something that most high school students have experienced to something that most of them haven't. Had you experienced <laughs> sex in high school? Yeah, most people had, I think. Yeah. And I'm a I millennial. Had. What about you, Hal? Well, obviously you had <laughs> People now in their early 20s are two and a half times as likely to be abstinent as Generation X's were at the same age. So, uh, Jesse, I assume you're not abstinent and neither Holly and I were at your age either. So let's keep moving. In Japan in 2015, 43% of young people aged, ages 18 to 34 were virgins. Okay, six reasons for the sexual recession. Please comment. Parental pressure. Apparently, Holly. Do we have influence in this department? We do. It's always it's a parent's the fault. The parent's fault. So uh, helicopter parenting is not doing good things for, for the, the sex, sex life. life of our children. We are apparently urging our kids to focus on building their credentials in high school and university rather than investing in romantic relationships. That is such a lie. But also, <laughs> how good is this? Because of helicopter parenting and the fact that young people are being more supervised, there's less time for them to fool around. Exactly, because if you're helicoptering, that's right. If you're whereas, in their bedroom, it's very yeah, difficult. My parents had no interest. No idea. <laughs> they weren't home. What was going on. Second reason, bodily self-consciousness, distraction, sleep deprivation, oh. and other sources of inhibition. So there are lots of lifestyle factors, things like um, negative body image, uh, sleep deprivation, digital distraction, all of these things are very bad I for like your horniness. that millennials think they're the first generation with body Issues? Well, <laughs> no, but also anxiety and depression are on the rise yes. among young people and antidepressants can also mm-hmm. lower your sex drive. Dating apps, also not good. Third reason, it takes more than 60 swipes to get one match. I so agree with that. it might seem like there's a lot of sex out there, but there actually isn't. People are hooking up more often than having romantic relationships and that doesn't necessarily mean sex. Now, sex is kind of seems to be defined in a bit of a traditional way and they've had to do this because they want to be able to, uh, even though sex to us now has a much broader definition, it's not just... Penis and vagina. Thank you. Um, it's all kinds of things. Exactly. But to be able to compare with previous generations, they have to keep defining it the same way. So maybe that's responsible as well. Um, 
The last two reasons were really interesting. One is that people are satisfying their sexual desires, just not with other people. So there's more masturbation and more porn. Mm -hmm. And the last one is that because young people are having more sex that's influenced by porn, it means that the sex isn't necessarily that pleasurable for them and they're just not putting up with it. They're saying, I don't want to do that. I think in that last one, it it sort of speaks to the fact that we're asking the wrong question about sex, which is why do we care about like quantity over quality? I think we should be asking whether people think they're having good sex because maybe generations ago when you had to get married at 19 for legal and financial and social reasons, you were having sex four times a week, but you hated every minute of it. Whereas now maybe you're having sex once or twice a week or you're not having sex for months at a time, but you're really content about it. Because I think the hookup culture thing has a lot to answer for because I don't think people who are on dating apps who are going on dates every now and then are having good sex. And the data suggests that. Like women, I think, orgasm 10% of the time, which I think is even maybe an overestimation. And even men, it's saying like 30%. So you don't have good sex with someone you just met generally. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know about that? Mira and I are casting our minds back and yeah. going, oh, jury's out on that. I remember having sex with someone you hadn't been with for 20 oh years plus. That was terrible. <clears throat> I, think, I think that it's that, that maybe, you know what, maybe that's where the porn stuff comes in. Maybe people think like when you have sex with someone for the first time and you don't know each other very well and you don't know what you like, I think that might be where the I'm in a porno comes from and then things start happening that neither of you are really enjoying, like the cat person story or the Aziz Ansari, that kind of bad sex. And I think that's another really good reason to celebrate a sex recession, if indeed there is one, if millennials are having less sex than we were, I reckon to that last point, women are saying no more yes, often. Yes, exactly and, right. And I think probably um, in with Gen X and with baby boomers, we had sex that we didn't really want to have just because we felt we couldn't say no. This makes me very sad. It makes me if it's no, if that should make you happy. No, no, that point makes me happy, right? That idea, if if it is indeed that the reason that there are lower levels of sexual activity is because women have more agency to be able to say no, then that's great. But I would question the idea that teenage girls aren't just as horny as teenage boys and young women aren't just as horny as as, as young men. And um, I was been reading all about the sex recession too, and I was very encouraged by the articles that were saying we don't think it's real. We think it's a, a glitch in reporting, as you were suggesting also, Jesse, and also that the definition of sex, mm. because apparently there has never been a more experimental generation than um, than the millennials, because there's so much structure and stigma around what sex is and who you can have sex with has has gone. You know, there's never been more acceptance about people's sexual preferences and sexual orientation. And that encouraged me because I just want the young people to be having the sex. I want the young people to be having lots and lots of excellent sex with the people that they want to have sex with and as many of them as they're happy to have sex with, if that's what they want. Listen up, because kids. Because... When you're old, mm. you're too bloody tired. No, Holly. <laughs> why? Why is more sex better? Go and have sex for me. No. <laughs> we're busy. People are busy and they've got stuff going on. No, I, I really like your point about it's, it's not about quantity, it's about quality. Of course. 
But there is a correlation between quality and quantity because if you've met somebody and the sex with them is amazing, then you're having it all the time. And then as inevitably happens and every relationship expert in the world knows this and it is no sign about the quality of your relationship that you're not having sex every five minutes on the floor, in the car, in the, you know, in the, in the bathroom at the bar because you're now living with them and you have to clean their toilet. Speak for yourself, Hol. <laughs> well, indeed. But that does happen a lot. Then you're going to have less of the sex, even though it might still be great. You're just going to have it less. So I, yeah. I think there is some correlation between quality and quantity. And I'm encouraged to think that really maybe the reporting's a bit off because mm. and the definitions I think like how you know with so many more particularly women uh, exploring their sexuality um, and you know sexual fluidity I know among young pe- people is much more of a thing than it was in our generation how do you even define that you yeah, know if you hook exactly up with right. a girl I don't think that ticks a box in this survey yeah exactly no and yeah, I think that there's a lot that sex isn't sort of the thing you necessarily do straight away because there are a lot of ways to explore your sexuality. But I also wonder if the dating app thing, I thought that was an interesting mm. point because it's as though when you're because I went years and years where I was single and you'd sort of go on a date and it wouldn't work out and whatever. And it felt like that because the guys I was dating had a phone in their hand where they had access to the most beautiful, incredible women that they felt they could always get better. And so it was sort of like you were so transactional in a way that maybe my parents' generation it wasn't because you weren't always – these women weren't available to you, even if they're not swiping them on Tinder. Not in such a tangible way. I yes. mean, you always knew cerebrally that, you know, there were lots of other women out there that, that the guy could be with. But, but they weren't in your phone always. No. And so I feel as though if you're a woman who's a little bit like – you're not Cindy Crawford or something, then they're literally, they have access to all of these women and you're kind of just filling the space and that's not going to be good sex. But then let's Mm. face it, uh, uh, those guys, I mean, also it's a stereotype about guys to imagine that they're sex shopping and women aren't, but also a lot of guys do not feel like they... They will have just as many insecurities on that app as the women do. They'll be mm. like, they'll be thinking, well, I could never get her and I could never. And it just has made that whole thing very transactional. But I'd also argue that that was always there. It was just there in another way. It was there at the student dance and it was there at the bar and it was there, you know, every environment where young people are going to get together. There's a sexual frisson and there's an element of where am I going to, you know, who am I going to pick and who's going to pick me? Mm. I think that's always been there. Is the moral of the story, go out and have sex, just make sure it's good, make sure you're being safe. Yes. And consent. Consent's important. That's a nice point. Very. (laughs) Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. Hi, my name's Amy. This is a question for Out Loud. Look, I need some advice for my 16-year-old daughter. I have a bit of a dilemma. 
So we have a group therapy, a Friday group therapy, that's all about how social media has changed our social occasions and how you feel about them. It's a bit of a theme today, isn't there, about um, about that, about confidence and shyness and all those things. And this one's a little bit the same. It's from an anonymous outlouder, and she wrote, I'm a mum in my 40s in a country town in New South Wales. I'm pretty sensitive and I suffer from anxiety and I don't have a huge friendship group, but I do have some close friends. One lady who I consider to be a friend recently was talking to me about what she plans to do for her birthday. Now, the last two birthdays, we've joined them for dinner. We chatted about it and I commented on what a good idea she had for her dinner, I think. However, her birthday came and went without an invitation until I saw all the photos on Facebook of her party. I'm deeply saddened. It's not only odd, but cruel. I know I should just forget about it, but I feel it's stuff you see in the school playground and not how adults behave. I wouldn't be bothered if she hadn't talked to me about it. So what do I do now? Do I ignore her and just admit we really aren't friends? Do I say something? but then what's the point? I don't really want to be friends with someone who purposefully leaves me out. Sometimes you just really want people to know that they've made you feel bad. However, they probably wouldn't care anyway. Am I being oversensitive? Ouch. I wonder if you missed an email. Oh, that's a generous I wonder if something went into your spam because I've seen this happen before and she might be feeling upset that you didn't reply or that you didn't turn up. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt and trying to put a silver lining on this. It might have just been that she didn't invite you, but I always think that it's more likely to be the stuff up, not the conspiracy. Because if you live in a small country town and you have joined them for the last two dinners and she did talk to you about it, it doesn't add up. Like it really doesn't add up no, to me. I Am I being naive? You're being completely naive. I don't think she was invited. Uh, and I think there are a lot of reasons for that. I've organised things before, hate organising things. And sometimes I look at the people I want to invite and out of consideration for them, I think I'll catch up with them another time. Just because the dynamic could be awkward, because she might be thinking, mm. oh, she mightn't get along with blah. But why would you mention it to someone and then not invite them? Maybe she thought about it later. Like, I don't think it's malicious. I know it feels really cruel, but I don't think that was the intention. But what I think she should do is bring it up. I reckon just be brave <gasps> and bring it up. I think that you say, hi, I know this, I've had so many conversations with friends like this and it it's productive yes and you just go rather than sitting there and stewing and feeling awful and assuming that someone left you out just go hi really awkward to say this but I'm a bit sad because I saw that you had your birthday dinner and I I wasn't there <gasps> something like that just say it oh my god and then oh my god. See, I thought you were shy this sounds no, like the worst s- possible confrontational moment I think so many friendships have been lost over awkward miscommunications what do you want her to um, say so in that scenario what is the best thing that the woman who didn't invite you can say I think she might say something like I forgot I I forgot I really would have liked you to come but blah was there and or or you know sometimes you've got like six friends who are all really close and you think oh it would almost be mean to invite someone else and then they feel left out all night like sometimes it's just you're being super cautious of the dynamic There's going to be an explanation that makes sense. Something that she said that I noticed, she said the last two birthdays we've joined them for dinner. So I'm imagining this is her and her partner. So I'm wondering if there could be something there. Yes. Maybe it wasn't partners. Maybe 
her partner doesn't get on with the other woman's partner or the woman doesn't get on with her partner. I'm not sure, but I'm wondering if that might have something but to do with it. don't you reckon it's better to know the answer rather than to sit well, and ruminate for days and I, days? I don't think you're going to get the answer because if I was, if I was the woman mm. – and there will probably what it will be a combination of all the things you've said is she may have had a numbers limit on the dinner and she may have had to call and that is just a reality and you're probably not on the, in the inner group you're in the outer group now that's not cruel that's just the way of the world or it could be exactly as you say something to do with your partner it could be something to do with her dynamics of who she gets along with exactly as you said but what she's probably going to say is going to be a lie. She's probably going to say something like, I just forgot. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I, you know, like she's going to say something like that because that's what I would say in that situation. You're not going to say, you know what? I was going to invite you, but the last few times I've seen you, you've seemed really sad and I thought that would be a downer. Or I was going to invite you, but then I remembered that my husband doesn't like your husband. Or I was going to invite you, but then I told Becky I was going to invite you and she said, please don't invite so-and-so. Like that, she's not going to say that because people don't say that. Now, I'm not saying, of course, to our listener that any of those things are true or the reason, but whatever the real reason might be, you're probably not going to get it from the confrontation. So I think you've just got to move on, like shake it off and move on. And just you've got that in your head now that you're not the person I thought you were. We're clearly not that good of friends. So, but what a shame to lose that. And and what if it was a misunderstanding? Yeah, that's a risk. But if if it was a misunderstanding. She knows. Like I would, she no, would she bring it up. No, Because she knows that her birthday party was on Facebook, presumably. So she knows that our mm. listener knows that the birthday party happened. See, this is the real problem right here is that in the age where every occasion is on social media, yes. suddenly your obli- the obligations on both sides of a social engagement have changed. Because you know that it, people's feelings will be hurt when they know that they weren't invited to your party you now are more obliged to widen the invitation group Mm. because most people are not horrible people and they don't want to upset and offend people, but they've just got real boundaries on how many people they can have at their parties or... Or you you, just don't take photos. Have you guys, I was going to say, have you been Mm. to social engagements where it's no photos? Yep, because uh, someone I'm with was meant to be somewhere else that night and cancelled last minute because they wanted to do this instead and they go, I can't be on social tonight. Yeah. Happens all the time. It's particularly brutal. I've heard this a lot of from parents of um, girls uh, because girls are so much more active on social media. There'll be a party and once upon a time you probably wouldn't know about the parties you weren't invited to. It wasn't your friendship group. But now if you're on Instagram, it's everywhere. And not only do you have to be at home on a Saturday night, you have to see everyone else having this great time. So it can be really brutal growing up. I remember being with my school friends. I was invited out to dinner one night and I went and then I, I think a photo went up and another friend said, I saw that and like it, it upset me and she, she was really open about it and I said, I didn't organise it. I felt weird that you weren't there. I didn't really understand. I kind of thought you were going to be there until I got there and you weren't and I was so glad I got to have that opportunity because otherwise she would have stewed and assumed, like think about how you catastrophize and you think, oh my God, they've been going out for dinner just for them for all these years. I thought I was friend. Everyone hates me. And then you start yeah. doing this thing. Whatever this woman is thinking about herself and how unlikable she must be is worse than the truth. So I think that's why you just go to the source and go, I don't want to live with this anxiety. Just tell me what it is. I would die if somebody came up and did that to me. I would die and I would never tell them the truth. No way. And I think I'm a nice person, but that's just, 
Like there are just a million reasons. I don't know. I think it's weird. I think that maybe the best thing we can all learn and also what we can teach our the young people who are going through exactly what you said, Mia, which is is that you're not going to be friends with everybody and you're not going to be invited to everything and you're not going to be... And it's you're just going to have to be okay with that. Like I have to be okay with the fact that I might see somebody's dinner and I'm not there. And I'm not saying this directly to this listener because she's talking about how she's been dealing with anxiety and, and all these things and I know how this is, it can be a really big deal. But I think in general, in this world where we're constantly having shoved in our faces all the things we're not doing and not invited to, we have to get comfortable with it. Otherwise, our whole lives are just going to be an anxious I don't think anyone's ever going to be comfortable with being left out. It's one of the worst feelings in the world. What would you do? Come and tell us in the Out Louders group on Facebook or you can dial the pod phone on 02-899-9386. It's Friday and that means it's recommendations time. What have you got for me, Mia Friedman? I have got two beauty products this week. Uh, One is a concealer because I have got very dark circles under my eyes and I've been going through a lot of concealers trying to find one that doesn't get in all my creases. Is that like as in an under eye concealer specifically for that? They are the hardest product to find something. I'm exactly in the same place. I'm on the edge of my seat. Yes, because this is a fun new thing. When you get older, not only do you need to cover the things, you also need it to not go in all the cracks. Yep, yep. I have found one and I have good news and bad news. It's uh, one by MAC. It's called the 24-Hour Smooth Wear Concealer. Is it, hang on, is it in like a little vial thing no, almost? No, okay. it's got a wand, so it's kind of a similar shape oh. to a mascara tube. Okay, because I got the vial one, wasn't impressed, so this sounds better. No, this it has on a wand and you dab it under. And what I've been using is, you know those makeup sponges, which I'm obsessed with? Yeah. At Priceline, I bought a little set of them that has tiny ones, like small ones that you can use under your eye. So I dot it under my eye and then I blend it with a little sponge or you can blend it with your finger. The bad news is that it smells quite strong and chemical. Chemic, I know exactly the smell. But yes. I'm overlooking that because it is, I think, the best concealer that I've found. And I've, I reckon I've tried six or seven just this year looking for the right one. Mm. It does last a long time and it doesn't go into all those little fine lines. Is it sort of creamy? Like what's yeah. the consistency? Yeah, it's creamy. It's yeah. creamy because that's the other thing. When you when you get older, you can't have anything too dry. Yes, I've found that too. Greasy. So many concealers yeah. I've gone and through, you, and then you're like, you oh, I love this, and yeah. it looks bad. So no, this it's called. Um, I'll put it link in the show notes, and I'll pop it in the Facebook group. Max. 24-hour smooth wear concealer. The other product that I would recommend um, without any disclaimers is a mascara. Now, it's by Model Co., uh, which is an Australian lady startup brand, and it's available at supermarkets, which is brilliant. Okay, so mascara, my biggest problem is that I rub my eyes a lot. So mascara... um, falls, you know, smudges and gets down my face. So I like something that's called a tubular mascara, mm-hmm. which means that when you put water on it or cleanser, it comes off in little clumps. Yes. So it can look like little spiders. It's actually really fun to take off. So it like pulls off your lashes in a tube. But instead it, and of, it doesn't like give you panda eyes. You no, actually never. get to pull them I off. Absolutely so love that stuff. So there's a there's one that everyone loves um, called uh, Kevin Aqua, who is a makeup artist brand, but that's really expensive. That's from like Mecca. This is a cheap supermarket brand. I think it's like under $10 or if it's not, it's maybe a bit, 
you know, can't be much more than that. And it is brilliant. So it's a tubular mascara. It's called Model Co Lash Extend and it's not clumpy because my big thing at the moment is I hate clumpy mascaras. See, I adore that mascara. It's my favourite too, but I can never, ever, ever find it. I haven't been able to oh. find it for six months. So next time you see it, I'll grab an extra one because it, I literally am hunting for that. At my local Woolies, it's there all the time. Do you know why you might not be able to find it? Because they've changed packaging. It used to be in a hot pink, pink tube. Now it's in a white tube. But oh. it's the same mascara. I used to have that pink one. Great Yeah, mascara. they've repackaged it. Awesome. I'm going to recommend a podcast and it's not about murders. It's called – have you guys ever listened to Reply All? Yes. Mm. Okay. So I thought it sounded so boring because it's about tech and it's like the internet. I was like, that's just not up my alley. And then I started listening to an episode called Permanent Record. It is so good. It's about this person goes through five people who have a permanent record on the internet of something that they did Mm. or a photo or whatever that has haunted them for years Mm. and years. And the stories, some of them are really funny, some of them are really sad. And I was gripped. It was so clever. It's so well done. And every time you listen to an episode, you're like, I'm not going to care about this. And by the end, you're just so into it. So that one's called Permanent Record. It's funny you say that. I subscribe to Reply All, but I don't often listen to it. But I listened to that one. Yeah. And it was talking about how now... Obviously, people are putting a lot more things on the internet, but this isn't about things that you can take down yourself. It's about things that are that that are put up that are then out of your control. And it was saying that one of the things is that a lot of people enter sort of contests where they have to record a, a video or upload a photo with a hashtag or whatever it is, and that then becomes the property of you know it's out Vimeo there. Vimeo or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, you've lost control. So there are these people who applied to be in like The Bachelor or something, and they had to upload a video, and now it lives on on the internet. And it's from a time when I don't think we realised how long the internet was going to last. <laughs> and so a lot of people, like what I did during MySpace times was unforgivable, but we had no blueprint for the fact that that image would live forever. It's terrifying. What's your reco, Holly? <laughs> so I'm recommending a podcast too, and it is a Mamma Mia podcast. It's not even a new one, but I've been meaning to recommend it for weeks because it is one that I can't stop thinking about. So Lady Startup Podcast, where Rachel Corbett interviews inspirational lady startups. Award-winning. Yes, it is the award-winning Lady Startup Podcast. Had an episode, it's a few weeks ago now, because we're we're out of season at the moment. So it was about four weeks ago, with this amazing Australian woman that I'd never heard of called Melanie Perkins. Now she started Canva. Now anybody who, you know, works on the internet a little bit would know what Canva is. It's basically like a graphic design um, tool for dummies. And the idea is that any Anybody can make beautiful invites, beautiful mm. Facebook headers, beautiful anything. And it's drop and drag and it's really easy to use. And anyway, it's free. I don't know how she makes I money. I had absolutely no idea that this thing that I've been using to make invitations and, and whatever was started and run by a woman from Australia who is so young. She is still in her 20s mm. and that that business is now worth billions of dollars. And the thing, the reason this interview is so good, because I'm not an entrepreneur, like it's not that I was listening to it and going, me too, I'm going to go and start an amazing graphic design business and be a billionaire. The story of how she did it and being this kid, basically like this kind of, almost clueless graduate and going to Silicon Valley and sitting down across from massive investors who she needed to invest in her company is just a brilliant story about resilience, confidence, what she learned. She's literally sitting down with the kind of people who invest in some of the biggest tech businesses in the world. And she's like, so this is my deck. 
And they're going, your deck's a bit shit. And she's like, yeah, well. Uh, and she's like, and so the next time I made sure my deck was much better. And then it's not decks anymore. It's just an amazing wow. story of resilience. How does she? How does she make money? Like, how so do you I make think money? They make her? money because they're well. You have to pay for certain elements of it. Yeah. But also, it's an interesting distinction because that company is worth billions of dollars. Right. And it makes it's called a unicorn, which yes. in Silicon Valley there's not many of them, hence the name. And it means it's a company that's that valued at over a billion dollars. There's not many of them at all. So that's pretty impressive. Her offices, I think, are just around the corner yes. from here. Wow. She's still in her 20s. It's just such an amazing success story. I love that interview. I mean, Corbett's a great interviewer anyway, mm. but that one was particularly great. And I keep thinking about it and I'm like, I must recommend it because I bet there are lots of other people out there who are like, what? Such a le- lesson in chutzpah. Is that how you say it? It is, Holly. That's a Yiddish word. Ooh. Chutzpah means like guts, doesn't it? Yeah. Like courage and and self-belief, I suppose. And then she talks about the culture of her business now and how she's had to grow really quickly and how she does that. And yeah, it's just remarkable. Absolutely brilliant. Lady Startup, you'll find it in your Lady Startup feed. And it's the one with Melanie Perkins from Canva. Okay, thank you so much for listening to Mamma Mia Out Loud. Please pop into your podcast app wherever you listen to this and leave us a rating and review and tell us what you think. Also, tell us what you think about anything we've discussed today, about shyness versus introverts, about um, whether or not the young people are having sex, sending pity letters to me for saying that I think the young people should be having sex. I want people to jump in and defend shyness. Shy people unite. Shy people don't like posting in Facebook groups, but please jump in and let Holly and Mia know that shyness is real. It is real, I know. And if you've got a better concealer that Holly and I should try and Jessie, let us know about that as well. We're always down to try new products. Because I spend silly money on them and then they don't work. They work in the shop and then you get home and you're like, this is not the product I trial. Please tell us. This episode of Mamma Mia Out Loud was produced by Elise Cooper and we will see you on mamamia.com.au. And if you stick around after the show, you can hear what you might have missed on the quickie this week. Bye. 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 It's been a big few days on the quickie. We spoke with one of the first responders from 9-11, John Feel, to find out why the death toll is continuing to rise. Everything in the buildings were pulverised. There were no phones, there were no computers. Mercury, lead, benzene. There were hundreds, if not thousands of toxins in the air that day. We ate there, we slept there, we cried there, we worked there, we went to the bathroom there. We were exposed. We found out a bit more about the new laws that will help Aussies die with dignity. A life with dignity must involve a death with dignity and... I feel that if my mum had that option, the end of her life and therefore her life would have been completely different. And we spoke with Gwyneth Paltrow's very own intimacy coach. In my workshops also, nobody gets undressed. There's no funny business. There's no touching, no nudity. It's skill development so you can do it with your own partner at home in privacy. To hear the episodes in full, you can head to mamamia.com.au forward slash the quickie or subscribe in your favourite podcast app.